Hey everyone, some listeners may find potentially sensitive content in this episode. Please check the timestamps before listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Hamish. And I'm your other host, Aaron. And today we're joined by Anam, who's a nomination from Arub's episode and she's the author of her own book. Would you like to introduce yourself? So my name is Anam and by profession I work in HR. Um, I'm also an author of my own book, which is called The Never Ending Life. It's actually available on Amazon worldwide. And I'm really pleased to be here. That's, that's awesome. If you get like straight into it, like what's, what's the book about? So the book is about um, the different life experiences that we go through as um, throughout the human life cycle. So it talks about childhood experiences. It talks about, you know, teenage drama, um, adulthood, relationships, professional life, marriage. And there's also a little sad part, which talks about death and um, the loss of life and sort of the experiences that we go through, you know, when we lose a loved one. And I would like to also add that there is there is some advice and guidance in there as well on how to deal with such issues. So it's it's a really nice mix of fiction and nonfiction. So I think only a handful of people would know what part is fiction and what part is nonfiction. That's what I was going to ask. Like, is it a nonfiction or fiction? But it's a very interesting twist between the two. Okay, what would it be, what is it classed as? Like officially? Officially, it's it comes under an autobiography. Okay, there's only one physical copy available. I mean, left on Amazon. I don't know how many you had printed, but there's yeah, it says that there's only one one left in stock, and obviously you can get the Kindle version for anyone yeah. any of those interested. It's sold a lot of copies um, abroad as well. So I've got quite a few friends that I've met during my travels that have um, then obviously when they found out about my book, they've bought it. And I don't have that many reviews, but um, it has sold. I think the last time I checked, which was um, in March, I had sold over 100 copies, which to be honest, is, isn't too bad for someone who's not, you know, very famous or anything. When it sounds like you cover a lot of stuff. How long How long's the book? So the book's not too long. It's only 284 pages. Okay. And you managed to like cover kind of all those different topics you said, it seems like. Yeah. So it's um, written across 14 different chapters. So each chapter is about sort of like, kind of like each chapter of your life. So one of my favorite chapters is um, called The Travel Bug. And I talk about my different experiences of living abroad, um, traveling to different countries. I've also done a lot of solo travel, which don't think a lot of a lot of people do. So that's one of my favorite chapters. But yeah, it does cover each sort of different chapter of, you know, sort of the life experiences that we go through and as human beings. So when did you kind of start it? When, when did you write it? So it's quite interesting, actually. Um, I was doing my MBA abroad from the summer of 2015 till the winter of 2016. And during my dissertation phase of my MBA, I was um, studying in Thailand and I felt very isolated. I felt very, I don't want to say alone because that sounds really sad, but yeah, obviously living in Thailand, studying there was very stressful, especially for an MBA. But the language barrier, the time difference with the UK and not, you know, not being able to kind of call your mom or call your best friend when you're kind of after class when you're stressed out. So I kind of used that and went to a local Starbucks and just wrote about anything and everything. That's how it really started. And then from there, I started blogging about it. And then I think three, about three blogs into it, um, someone who's, I think was an acquaintance at the time said to me, oh, you know, your writing's really good and you should, you know, publish it. 
and because it's going to help people. And I said, you know, I'm just going through my MBA right now. I think I need to help myself at the moment and get this dissertation sorted before, you know, I kind of go on a new adventure. So anyways, that was that. So I just obviously closed the idea. And then a couple of months later, a friend of mine said the same thing because she had been reading my blogs. And I think that's when it kind of hit me. And I said, you know what, if my words, my writing are helping someone, then maybe, you know, I should look into the idea. And um, yeah, so a couple of months later, after my friend suggested it, I looked into a publisher, spoke to them, they wanted a couple of sort of um, initial thoughts of what I was writing about, and you know, sort of like a sample of my writing. And um, once obviously I gave them everything, it just it never stopped until it actually got published in February 2018. So, um, yeah, that's how it happened. <laughs> Very strange, but yeah. How did you, like, you said there you kind of spoke to a publisher. How, how do you even, like, go about kind of finding them? And why would they kind of speak to you, like, being someone who's kind of, as you mentioned, like, yeah. not famous or you haven't, like, previously written a book or anything? The reason they were very interested in my writing is because the kind of book that I've written, no one else has sort of thought about it kind of thing. It's very different. So it's not, you know, oh, there's two characters and they fall in love or someone dies. It's very much like any person of any decade can read that book. So I've had reviews from people that are, you know, over 50s. And then I've had reviews from people that are sort of my age. And every single person has really enjoyed it. It's, um, I think one of the, the one of the reviews said something about it takes you on a roller coaster. Um, so, you know, there's lots of laughter. There's like funny funny jokes and then there's a chapter that talks about like how you should deal correctly with grief and pain and loss um so obviously I think one of the reviews did say oh you know you made me cry and I was like oh god (laughs) that was not the intention but yeah I think that's why they were quite interested in me I did speak to quite a few and um I think the first couple when I spoke to them and I kind of saw how much work goes into actually finalizing everything I was like oh my goodness I don't think I can do this with a full-time job but I just guess it was meant to be, so it happened. Yeah, when you said there was a bit about death in it, but then you also said it was an all like kind of officially classed as an autobiography. I was kind of confused. I was like, wait, is so you're you're not <laughs> Very much here. Like, you're here speaking to us. Like how, <laughs> how, how 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 does that work? Sorry, just to give you like a sneak peek, because I do want people to read it and I don't want to give yeah. too much away. I have had a couple of near death experiences. Okay. So that chapter does cover one of them. And I think that chapter is also a very beautiful introduction to my very gorgeous cat, Oreo, and how he came into my life and, you know, saved me sort of thing. Okay. You said you've had a couple near-death experiences. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but, what, but one of them's in the book. Yes, only one of them's in the book, I think. Can we talk about the other one? <laughs> <laughs> we can do, yeah. So, okay. So recently, well, not recently, about... A year and a half ago, I went through a miscarriage and I lost so much blood that I literally was on death's door at that point. And um, unfortunately, I didn't get very good sort of support um, and medical care from the NHS. And mind you, this was all pre-COVID as well. So I, I'm not quite sure what happened there. But normally, um, I don't know if this is too much information, but normally when, you know, you lose a child, you, a baby, sorry, you, the normal period of loss of blood is two weeks. However, I 
was bleeding for six weeks. So as you can imagine, you know, I was <laughs> I was almost out of out of blood, like I, like I like to call it. And the funny thing is, I'm anemic anyway, so it was um yeah, it was very I wouldn't say scary, but I think painful experience that I went through. When you say anemic, is that the one where you get injured and you can't stop bleeding, or is that the no, so anemic is when you have uh, less red blood cells in your body and your like um, just normal blood count is very low. Oh, okay. No, I'm really, really, uh, really sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry to, to hear, hear that. that. Thank you. Do you think you'll re- ever release like a another part to the book, like another like a second? I've actually been asked that question a lot of times, and one of my sort of last experience, life experiences, someone did say to me that you know maybe you should write about this, but. I'm not quite sure if I'm going to take that suggestion on board just because I don't want to write about a sad, painful experience. However, maybe in the near future, I will probably release a sequel. Okay. Is that like hush hush or is that? That is hush hush. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. Okay, okay. No, but that's, that's, that's really cool. I wouldn't know where to like start even if I went to write a book. So is it, is it like mostly like in first person, almost like a blog? Like you're kind of It's a little bit in first person, but it's a little bit in third person as well. So it just depends on what chapter you're reading, basically. Okay. Well what's kind of your so you you said like without like spoiling the book too much, you said there were like kind of all these different like parts of it, like relationships, uh, marriage and stuff like that. What's kind of your favorite part of the book? I think I have two. So the chapter called The Travel Bug is one of my favorites just because it mentions, you know, one of my favorite things in the world, which is to travel. Sadly, we've just not been able to do that recently. So I'm very, very blessed to have traveled just before COVID started as well. However, the chapter where it talks about loss is, again, a second favorite. And the reason for that is, and I think a lot of people will find this very strange, But the reason for that is that it's very, I would say it's a chapter that's more sort of like a guidance kind of booklet, you can call it, because it tells you how to, it sort of helps you how to deal with whether it's the loss of a loved one or it's the loss of just a love, you know, because, you know, sometimes people break up, they divorce, or it just doesn't work out. So it does kind of give you different tips. And, you know, I think... One of the sort of short story in that chapter also talks about how I think I dealt with it as well, which I'm not saying was the best way. But I think sometimes it's really important and it might not be for everyone, but sometimes it's really easy to learn from someone else's experience rather than, you know, be told to oh do this or do that. So I personally find that very sort of valuable. But like I said, everyone's different. So yeah, so those are my two favorites. Yeah, no, I, I've had this idea to write a book where like, it'd be like an almost like an autobiography. Yeah. But each chapter would be on a girl that I liked. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> and it, it would be like basically just how it didn't like work out or whatever. That's quite an interesting um, idea. Though. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, 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 I hope there's not too many. <laughs> oh, I hope not either, but <laughs> uh, it might be, I don't know. Hopefully it's not a long book, but it's probably never going to happen. Maybe, maybe I'll do it like an online thing. I don't know. How did you, I'd I'd probably have to like change the names and all that. Did you have to do that? Did you have to like change names of people in the book? Yes. Yes, of course. Because like I said, it's a twist between fiction and nonfiction. So some of the stories are true and then some of the stories are 
just you know based on sort of like a fantasy but the true ones I did have to change the names and obviously that was a very painful process <laughs> um I remember when I got the first draft and I had to go over the entire thing I think in a week's time and I was at work I was working full-time and it was just it was it was a lot of work but then also to ensure that you know I don't use names that are very, very similar, like use yeah, the same yeah. alphabet as well. So that was, again, a lot of work. And then I think I remember the final draft was actually sent to me while I was on holiday celebrating my, I don't remember which birthday it was, but celebrating my birthday in Dubai. And I remember I could not sleep because of the time difference, I think the second day. So I was just after like our day out, you know, in the pool and shopping and this and the other. I was up at night trying to read through the draft because um, basically my publishers, I don't know why, well, I suppose because it's it's just a day, but they wanted to um, release it on Valentine's Day, and I was just like, okay then. Um, <laughs> so I was on obviously on a very tight um, schedule, so I was just up. I remember, I still remember that moment very clearly because I was like, oh my god, my book's about to release! Like, I don't, I don't believe this. But yeah, and then it released the following month. <laughs> I wasn't happy about the date because I don't, I don't really do Valentine's Day, but. Um, yeah, it just happened. <laughs> was there a specific reason why they wanted it on that day? I think the reason for that was, I think it's the second chapter, which is about love. And um, they thought, you know, because obviously after Christmas and New Year, that's one of the holidays, I guess, if you can call it that. So they were like, oh, you know, it'll, it'll be really good. And obviously you have a, an element of love and relationships and loss and this and the other. So um, let's do that. And I was like, okay, then, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> you also mentioned how like they sent you like the final draft so how does kind of the writing process go do you have like editors and they would kind of edit what you've written and then send you so no so it wasn't edited as in my writing wasn't edited but obviously yeah. um so it's it's quite it, the layout is quite interesting because it's not just like each chapter isn't a long story so if like i said one of the chapters is called the travel book but then in that chapter there's short stories about travel so one of them if i remember correctly is about solo travel so what they had to do was they had to kind of draft in like put all the stories together and then I think where I was missing a little bit content, they were like, oh, can you write something else? Or I remember there was okay. one of the stories they said, oh, can you elaborate on one of these points a little bit more? So I had to add more paragraphs and go into a bit more detail about that particular point. So it was that kind of editing. But no, they didn't edit my actual writing. It's more sort of like, you know, the grammar and paragraphs. And if I needed to add more detail, it was that kind of editing, basically. Yeah. And then kind of the, the like marketing side of stuff. And especially because you, like me, me and Hamish, we got a friend who was actually like our first, first ever episode. And he released a book mm -hmm. recently, but it's like just a digital book. It's just a, an ebook. Whereas your one, it's like Hamish yes. mentioned, there's like yeah. physical copies like being sold. Does like the publisher take care of all that stuff? Or do you have to kind of get involved in it? Is there a lot of like money involved? Yeah, yeah, there was a little bit of money involved, obviously. But yeah, it was a little bit of both. So the publisher kind of looked after sort of, you know, the, I think, publishing side of things in terms of magazines, and newspapers and things like that. And then obviously, social media marketing, I kind of took took into my kind of control. Also, once the book did release, I ordered some copies myself and did a book launch party for um, a couple of close friends and family. And um, obviously sold a couple of copies there as well. So that again, that party and images taken in that party then were used for online marketing. And um, 
Yeah, so I think the social media marketing, it's kind of under my kind of umbrella. But um, the, all the magazines, the, the newspapers, that kind of side, the, I let the publisher take care of that because obviously I don't have those contacts. <laughs> no, that's wicked. And like people kind of, you mentioned how like people have reviewed it and said like, this has helped them and all that. You said like in the book as well, you get, kind of give advice or you try to mm-hmm. kind of yeah. give tips. Have, have people like going in contact with you like personally being like, oh, this has kind of really helped or even like friends or family and that kind of stuff? I think it's quite a strange one because my friends have said that before the book was released. So when they kind of saw a couple of my blogs, but it's, it's been more sort of just random people that have come across the book or have read it and um, have contacted me on LinkedIn, on Facebook Messenger, um, on Instagram even. And I think that has been very, very rewarding, I would like to call it, because I think sometimes it's a very rare quality in a person to turn their pain into something, you know, positive that will help other people. And, you know, I feel like I have that quality and that's what I've done with my sort of life experiences. I mean, it's quite sad that I've been through so much at such a young age, but again, obviously that it it was meant to be that way. But yeah, the fact that I've turned it into something that can help other people, I think that's, that's, that's very just, that's just invaluable for me. Like I remember so many times over the last couple of months when I've received a random message to say, oh, by the way, you know, I don't know, I know you don't know me, but I read your book and, you know, I finally managed to find you on Instagram. And it, I just wanted to say thank you so much for writing it. And it's just made my day. Like, I don't know how it, I don't know how it works, but it's, it's been really strange because it's always happened on a day when I'm not having a good day. So obviously it's just like, cheered me up and kind of made me smile and think oh you know life's not that bad <laughs> <laughs> no wicked yeah i know you mentioned it already but like where can people if they're interested like find the book buy it and all that stuff so it's available on amazon worldwide obviously you can get it next day with prime and in the uk obviously it's additionally available on waterstone um in waterstones as well sorry like actually going into, oh, wow. like, have you been into the store and like seen it like on the shelf kind of thing? Or is it like an I've online? I've not actually seen it in the store, but I've only just checked my local stores. I've not like gone into um, the city center store, but um, I have seen it online that it is available on Waterstones. So that in itself, again, was quite unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I imagine, I bet it's like, it must be like a couple copies in some Waterstones at some point. There must have been. I think probably in the bigger stores. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to go and like get a picture or something like pointed to it. That'd be cool. <laughs> I didn't realise you were getting celebrities on that one. I was like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's wicked. Like that's really cool. That's something you you've been like able to do. What what about like as well the title, The Never Ending Life? What's kind of the idea mm-hmm. the idea behind that? I think the idea behind that is, you know, how the cliche um when people say Oh, you only live once. Um, I think I kind of got it from there because the truth is you only die once. You live for, well, most people live for a very long time, however much that long time may be. So like I said, I'm in my 20s, but I feel like I've lived a very long life in terms of, you know, the experiences, some good, some bad. You know, I've, you know, been very blessed to be able to travel to so many countries, to study at a really great university, to work across so many different companies. So I would like to say, you know, that I've lived very fully in the very short time that I've been on this earth. However, 
people that, you know, say are in their 50s and 60s, they would have sort of, you know, more experience than myself. So I, I think the idea came from there because obviously the book talks about different chapters of, you know, the human life cycle. So it kind of came from there that it's then it's sort of like a never ending life as in you know you you can go through so many different experiences in life it's not just one kind of story and one soundtrack that's going on obviously there are people that do live like that i personally feel very sorry for them because i feel it's in our hands to change our sort of future and you know the next chapter in our lives you know if say you're going through a really horrible time in your life whether it's in a marriage or a, in a job it's down to you as a person to change that you know no one's going to come and be like oh here you go here's a new job here's a new husband let's just move on yeah you were so like tangented my brain into like a shakespeare qu- quote yeah so there's one from julius caesar that goes cowards die many times before the deaths the valiant never taste of death but once I don't know why I just love that quote and I had to go find it after you said that. I was like, I thought I just... <laughs> Very <laughs> true. <laughs> it applies to this situation, definitely. Never be scared. <laughs> the titles also remind me of... Did you ever watch like The NeverEnding Story, the film? No, I don't oh, think so. Or is that just me? This is just, just the Aaron thing. <laughs> no, it's funny because I remember watching... It's a really weird film, but I remember watching it when I was a kid and thinking that it was a film you watched and it never finished. Like, because it was called The Neverending Story. But now looking at it on Google is actually only an hour and 47 minutes. So I'm not really sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really sure where I got that from. I feel like I'd never finished the film either because I felt like it never finished. I don't know. A bit weird. But yeah, that's awesome. We'll, we'll put the uh, yeah, links to the book in, uh, in the description for like people to uh, check out. Yeah, in the middle of that, you kind of like name dropped like a few countries. You mentioned like doing your dissertation in Thailand being in Dubai when like your book was being launched and then even like a, you have a, you had a chapter in your book, like about like traveling and like solo traveling in particular, where are you like based like now? Where would you call home? Home is well, officially, physically it's Birmingham. However, originally, obviously I'm from Pakistan and I've actually lived half my life there. Well, yeah, half my life there. I remember I was so excited when it was my 26th birthday because I was like, oh, I can say how I'm half and half now because I moved to the UK when I was 13. So I was very much waiting for my 13th birthday because I always had to say, oh no, I've lived half my life there and then here. So it was, it was a bit confusing. But yes, yeah, so I moved to the UK when I was 13. And then, yeah, I've just been in the UK as in sort of officially home wise. And then... Once I completed my bachelor's degree at Aston University, I went off to New York to do an MBA, which was combined in New York as well as Thailand. And um, I I don't think a lot of people can say that at my age. I guess I was 22, maybe. So it's like half, half in New York, half in Thailand. Well, more than actually more than half in New York. So New York was 12 months um, where I was doing evenings and nights of business school. And during the day, I was working as a HR analyst on Wall Street. Okay. So, um, big, big, that. big money, big money. <laughs> and then the last four months of the MBA was in Thailand, but that was just studying in Bangkok. And that was, it was, it was a very interesting time of my life because it was very stressful. Luckily, because I had done a placement here um, during my bachelor's degree in Germany, I didn't actually have to do it. Well, the degree didn't require a dissertation for my bachelor's. So my MBA dissertation was my first one. And it was, I think that's one time in my life where I can say I was super stressed. Um, that too, in, in you know, 
a completely different country, language barrier. I'm very close with, well, I used to be quite close with my mom, so I I would always give her a call, but I couldn't do that because there was a nine hour time difference. So yeah, that was um, very stressful. <laughs> and you mentioned Germany in there as well. What, where were you? When were you in Germany? Okay, so I lived in Pakistan until 13. So yeah. moved to the UK. Then I was in the UK. And then when I was doing my bachelor's degree, I did a sandwich course. So my placement year was in Germany, where again, well, not again, I didn't work in HR. I worked in IT because when I was in university, I was having this sort of um, dilemma of IT and HR and I didn't know what where to go kind of thing I knew I wanted to be in business from a very young age since I think I was 12 which is just crazy but I just didn't know what I wanted to do within sort of like the wider umbrella of business so yeah I did a placement in IT in Germany and as much as I loved it I didn't I didn't see a career (laughs) in IT I don't know if you've noticed but I giggle quite a lot so I'm a very sort of like bubbly person. I'm known as Little Miss Giggles in the office. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you trying to say about us? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I just, um, yeah, I couldn't just sit at a desk and um, look at Excel all day long. So <laughs> I came back, gained some work experience in HR, and then HR became the future. And um, so that was that. And then obviously I completed my bat- my final year of my bachelor's degree. And then as soon as that finished, the plan was, the big life plan always was, you know, so I want to do my master's or MBA or whatever I wanted to do. It would have to be done before sort of like the time I had said I wanted to get married. And it kind of fitted really nicely. So I finished my bachelor's degree. I had a lot of work experience before I started my MBA um, because I was working throughout being a student, which I don't know, I sometimes look back on and it makes me a little sad because I feel like I didn't do, you know, like the, I didn't live the uni life. But anyways, that was that. It was, it was it was what it was. So I, I went to New York for my MBA after my bachelor's degree. Again, it was again far with my plan because I was getting that one year of work experience in New York. And um, yeah, I did my MBA, came back. And yeah, so that's Pakistan, UK, Germany, and US and Thailand. And I think I'm missing China. China happened... <gasps> China happened in my... Just before my second year of university, I think. Yeah, just before my second year. So I, um, it's so strange because I've always, as a child or a young adult, I would say I've always been very shy and quiet. However, it was during my sort of A-levels that kind of gained a bit of confidence and, you know, went into public speaking and all that. But yeah, an, an opportunity came up at the end of my first year where um, I went, I, I could do an internship of um, teaching English. So I went, off I went for two months to China and. Um, yeah, I taught English and made lots of little friends. And um, the last <laughs> crazy thing I did was I went on to the, obviously, the Great Wall of China. So it was, I was really excited that I could say that because I still remember so clearly when I was booking my ticket. So my um, my internship was in a small town called um, Hangzhou. And as teachers, we would only get, I think, two days off every 10 days. So one of the two days, we all just as a group of teachers went to um, Shanghai. So I was like, oh, you know, tick box, Shanghai is done. At the end of the internship, this madam was um, (laughs) going to travel to Beijing all by myself. And I was going to go on to the Great Wall of China. And I remember when I was booking my connecting flight, so everything was booked as a sort of one package kind of thing. When I was booking my flight, I remember my mom was on her way out of the house at that time. And she was like, I think she was going grocery shopping or something. 
And I said, oh, you know, I'm going to go to Beijing, you know, I'm going to see the great wall of China and this and that. And I remember so clearly till this day, she just shut the door in my face. She was like, do whatever the hell you want. And I was just, I was just there like on the phone to the travel agent. And I was like, silent. And he was like, ma'am, are you there? And I just didn't know what to do. I was like, oh my God. And obviously, you know, in Asian, Asian culture, we think, you know, if your parents have said no to something, if you do it, God forbid, what's going to happen? But I think that was the one time I was like, no, I can't. I just cannot travel 16 hours and not see the Great Wall of China. Because when am I going to ever do that? And obviously, clearly not after what's going on right now in the world, you know. So um, anyways, yeah, yeah, so I was there. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, let's book it. Let's do this. I don't know why that's sort of like a memory that's stuck in my head. But um, that's what happened. (laughs) What's been like your favorite trip out of all of those? Like if you had to go one place again, so if, if, if I told you like you could only visit one of those places ever again. Ever again? Yeah. Oh God, I hope I don't get into trouble for <laughs> saying this, but it would be Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Oh man, mm-hmm. I, I've been there actually. It's, I don't know. I feel like I had like such high expectations for it mm-hmm. and maybe it didn't live up to that. Like it was still wicked. Yeah. But yeah. Is this the gambling place here? The yeah, casino? Yeah. Oh, okay. Did you did you gamble much? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> did you lose a lot of money? <laughs> I actually won a lot of money, so oh, I was very okay. happy. <laughs> okay. I guess yeah, that that might be like one of my favorites if I <laughs> if I won a fair bit of money. No, but that's cool. It seems like visiting a lot of places and also well, like a lot of them seem to have also been solo places. Like solo, you just went by yourself. I think Obviously, the internship was solo, the placement. The placement, actually, my mom did come with me to kind of settle me and stuff. But yeah, New York was solo. Thailand was solo. But again, obviously, because it was for work or educational purposes, I wouldn't really expect my parents to kind of accompany me there, especially with their work um, hours and Mm -hmm. things like that. But um, when I mentioned solo travel earlier, what I was trying to refer to was when I've traveled for leisure solo so when I was in Thailand as you know the dissertation started getting extra stressful I just needed a bit of de-stressor and you know just kind of unwind so I went to Vietnam by myself for sort of like a long weekend our schedules were quite crazy but between different like not projects between uh, different modules rather um we would we would get sort of like a one day additional break which would be which would then be saturday sunday monday so that's when i used that utilize that time to um i went to vietnam and i also traveled within thailand to a couple of different places and i also visited one of my friends who lives in myanmar and it was just Again, it was such a random country as well. But again, I I only went there because my friend lived there. And, you know, she said she wanted me to visit. And I hadn't seen her since we graduated um, university. So that was an amazing experience. And I think that was one of my sort of like mini favorite trips because it was almost like I kind of explored this random country that I don't think I would have ever thought to travel to unless I was you know I had a friend there but because I lived with her in her sort of family home and you know with her family I got to experience it and explore it in a very different manner so it was very much you know 
sort of like you're exploring the city in a as a local rather than a tourist. So I really, really enjoyed that part. Vietnam was quite interesting because um, I think it was the day I landed. I was actually a little bit sick. I was under the under, under the weather, had a bit of a flu when I traveled to Vietnam. So when I got there, I was like, oh gosh, like how am I going to do this? But the very next day I had this um, trip planned and it had to be sort of adjusted a little bit in terms of the duration and the you know the journey because um we were going to experience a typhoon and I was like okay then it's only when I'm traveling alone something or the other has to go wrong because when I think um when I was actually when I traveled to from Hangzhou to Beijing to see the Great Wall, I actually got really sick in Beijing. And I remember when I was Skyping my parents, I had to kind of keep going on mute because I was really sick. And of course, my mom, you know, as soon as she found out, she was like, oh, I told you so. So <laughs> when this typhoon warning came, I was like, oh, great. I hope, you know, I hope this is going to be okay. And again, my parents were so against the trip because they would, I think in their head, they had sort of old, I don't know, they had old news in their head in terms of oh you know there's war going on and it's not safe for women and this and the, and, and the other and I was like mm, no it's actually quite safe it's um strangely enough Hanoi is um named one of the safest places for women to travel alone which I did not know until I actually was there so I was gonna say typhoon counts as another near-death experience yeah. <laughs> so I suppose yeah <laughs> so did you actually like experience the the typhoon or is it just a warning a little well we had the warning but then i think when i went on a day trip i can't remember the place of uh, the name of the place i went to but i remember um you know when you take a little break on during the journey um i remember standing outside at this little cafe and my dress kept flying and i was like oh god i think i'm wearing the wrong outfit for this day but then of course i didn't know that it was actually gonna come as in on the day, because the warning was for the next day. So um, I still remember I have this picture where my dress is flying. I was like, oh God, this picture is just, this is, you know, private, private album. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it was quite scary, to be honest, jokes apart. It was a little bit scary just, you know, being on very unfamiliar territory. Um, My parents were quite annoyed because I don't, I don't, remember clearly but I don't think I told them until I actually got to the hotel so um <laughs> that was just one of the things I did um but yeah I think when they was kind of telling me oh you know there's a war going on and something about women and it's not it's dangerous and this and that and I was like I don't think so everything seems fine here <laughs> but again it was I guess we were both on very different pages <laughs> yeah what what are some like you know people looking one once like covid settles down once they're people are allowed to travel again properly what are kind of things that i guess you've learned from your experiences traveling to all these different places like that people i guess you should do like either when you're like booking or looking for a place to travel to or you're booking a place or when you arrive like other things you should kind of do like regardless of where you go i think one of the things that you should definitely do is kind of check reviews of the place that you're going to stay at but also the surrounding surroundings of that hotel or resort or wherever you know that you're going to stay at because I think especially as a as a young Asian woman having traveled 
solo quite a lot. Sometimes it can be a bit scary if, you know, like, for example, if like me, you want to go for a walk after sunset and, you know, you're you're going to be a bit like, oh, I don't know if this is, you know, the right place or the right neighborhood. A lot of women, I'm assuming, I'm, I'm sure this is, you know, from news, but not everyone is as lucky as some people are in terms of, you know, coming back home safe. So I think it's really important that you thoroughly look into reviews of places that you plan on visiting, but mainly places nearby of your hotel as well. Because what you don't want is, you know, you're kind of in bed after your shower or your bath and this sort of chaos going on going on outside the hotel and kind of freaks you out and then you can't sleep luckily touch with that's never happened to me but I know of a couple of friends that has happened to and I think that's why I'm very very particular where I stay my sometimes my friends make fun of me that you know I kind of live a very princess lifestyle when I'm traveling but I think I personally really for me it's really important that if I'm staying at a hotel or a resort that I'm comfortable I don't care if I'm going to be a day tr- on a dra- day trip from 8 a.m. till 8 p.m. That time in bed or when I want to shower or, you know, when I'm having a nice hot cup of green tea, I want to feel comfortable. I want to feel luxurious. I don't want to, you know, be on a sort of similar standard of home because for me, it's when you're traveling, it's a vacation. And the whole point of that is that you don't think about home, you know. So if your bed is not comfortable, then it's just going to make me think of like, I don't know where I am, you know? Yeah, no, that makes sense, I think. Do you have a favorite airline that you've been on? Oh. <laughs> I'd have to say Emirates. Emirates, okay, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love Emirates. I think I've traveled to various different countries with Emirates and they've never, ever failed to, you know, meet their expectations or sometimes even rise above their standard expectations. It's just unfortunate that you can't travel everywhere with Emirates I guess um obviously you can't travel to Europe and I think sometimes it's a little bit I don't know I find it a bit annoying sometimes that you have to go via Dubai just because because I love Dubai so much it, it kind of makes me think oh you know let's have a little stopover but then it kind of reduces your full days off the, the actual destination and I also end up spending a lot of money in Dubai <laughs> which my bank account does not appreciate always so um yeah but I think Dubai has one of my very, very precious memories, which is um, I actually skydived in Dubai on my birthday two years ago, three years ago, three years ago today. Well, not today, but three years ago on my actual birthday, I skydived. I was joking when um, the instructor gave me some paperwork to sign and my mom was there like, obviously she was reading one of our duas and I was like, woman, can you not see like how much, how secure it is and the fastening and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And she was just like, I can't even look. So once I was wearing all the gear, I was like, mom, can you take a picture? And she was like, no, I'm just, I'm just going to go sit over there. I'm going to face the other way. So I had to ask one of my instructors to take, like, I was just oh, there, like, can no. you take a picture for me? And obviously that's not my mom. So I can't tell him, oh, can you take a couple more? Because <laughs> my mom has a thing. Um, when I asked her to take, uh, funnily enough, actually asked her to take, take a picture of me yesterday because I was wearing this sort of workwear dress and um, I've been going to the gym. So, like, you could tell where I've toned and stuff. And um, <laughs> she just said to me, oh, okay as if you know I was like oh it's gonna on she's she was doing something and I said it's only gonna take two minutes and she was like oh of course as if my daughter only you know appreciates and she's happy with one click <laughs> I, like, I just laughed I was like that's so funny but so true but yes I was there with the instructor and I asked he, bless him he did take some really nice pictures oh, but yeah, yeah that's good, one of my good. precious memories and I remember when I was given the paperwork I was just laughing I was like oh my goodness on my birthday I'm literally signing my life away 
So my tombstone is going to say 1201 to 1201. But um, when the thing you're signing, does it say like, you know, like if you die? Yeah. So it says that they're not responsible. So (laughs) I was like, okay, then. (laughs) Yeah, I, I can't imagine doing it. I can imagine Dubai being a really nice place to do it, but still I'm a bit like, hmm. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, no, no, no. Don't like heights, so can't. Oh, okay. Maybe not, <laughs> maybe not. Fair. When we get sponsored, I'm making sure you're jumping out of us. <laughs> I don't think you wouldn't do it anyway, either. I wouldn't want to, but if if we're securing the bad, Aaron, bro, we're going on it, bro. I'm telling yeah, you, I, to, I only told you, I'd only do it if I was, if like, for the chirps, man. Maybe you could blindfold, Aaron. Hamish? No, I'd, I'd just be able to like <laughs> feel it, you know? I'd be able to feel like the atmospheric pressure or whatever it is, like. You know, you once know. you've jumped and you're in the sky, it's it's so um, what's the word? Um, it's so serene and so peaceful that you just you just forget the world. Like it's. I oh, feel like I'd pass really... out though and miss it. I will oh. just accept death. Though. That's why he'll be peaceful. He'll be peaceful because like I've just accepted death. And we're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd be like maybe have like a like, drink or something before. I'd have to. Something that doesn't increase anxiety, obviously, as well. Yeah. Red Bull, maybe. Because it Red gives Bull. you wings. Oh, it gives you wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not sponsored. I, I need it. I need it. Yeah, may- maybe. Yeah, I, said, I said I'd only do it if it was, like, for a girl, yeah. Or... Oh, my God. Here we go. If I was on, like, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And, like, national TV. Because that would be a lot of pressure we'd to do it. do it on the first day, Aaron? If she really wanted to do it on the first date, we'd do it on the first date. Oh, my God. <laughs> You wouldn't. I know you would. From don't don't expect you would. I don't know. I don't know. It would be quite embarrassing though if he passed yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would. I'd have to get a good picture for the Instagram as well if I was doing it. No, you're saying oh, they took the picture when your eyes were closed, didn't it? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, if I got down from the skydive and I was like, "Oh, can I see the photo?" and my eyes are closed, I'd be fuming. I would be absolutely vexed. You need to make sure that you keep your eyes open, then, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Taking the view. Taking a view. I don't think you'd be able to close your eyes, though, to be honest, you know, because of obviously when you skydive, you normally do it over a view anyway. But because of the view and you, where you are in the sky and, you know, when you look down, like you just it's like it makes you realize that you're such a small, small, tiny thing in this massive world. Yeah. But- Aaron knows that already. Believe me. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be more like, That's so mean. Yeah, I know, like he's bullying me, right? Isn't he? What? The- <laughs> You know, I never thought about like skydiving in Dubai. But obviously, that that would obviously look way better because I was like, if we ever had to do it, I assumed it would always be UK based. But I was like, Dubai would look so sick Mate, because from the top here, it looks so sick. Yeah. I'm not gonna like skydive in like Essex or something. You know what I mean? Like that would just be pointless. <laughs> <laughs> and I doubt I doubt they'd do it in like central London either. Like you probably can't do it. Like because that would be a good view as well. But it's too home. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean, but I I actually felt like so I lived out for a year. And I, it made me actually appreciate like England and London a lot more for me personally. Like, so I actually like really like, even though it is, it, I know what you mean where it is home. I still like have this kind of, oh yeah, it's home, but I love it kind of thing. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think after I lived in the US, I definitely appreciated the UK a lot more. Yeah, I, I lived in. I didn't say it, but I lived in the US as well. And I don't know if it's just the US thing. But like, you live in the US <laughs> for being like, uh, UK's a bit. UK's alright. Yeah. And I was gonna say the skydiving thing. If you you know how the skydivers skydive into Wembley before the quarterfinals or the round of sixteen or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, what if you did that? Yeah, and then like you saw them, then the, right, you're there for the match and then they go and win the Euros right after like tomorrow. Oh, I don't know, man. Oh, that's a tempting one, you know. But what if, what if I mess up? What if I, what if I absolutely fuck it, you know? Like I stacked that. How can you mess like, up? I just, don't you want, won't you have someone on your back? Like the main Yeah, but what if like, yeah. <laughs> what if like we miss the stadium? Do you know what I mean? Like, miss and then the that's stadium. on TV, you know what I mean? Or, um, or like, or yeah, we land. It. Yeah. And then I just throw up on the pitch. Do you know what I mean? Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? I do worry about you, you know. Yeah, it'll be bad. I, I'm sure it won't happen. Anyone, anyone listening that wants to skydive? You know, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to refer you back to that Shakespeare's quote. <laughs> A coward dies many, many times before death. I don't know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it for the right, the right. Right opportunity. So you know, you said you would do it for a girl. So can oh. you, what what does that mean? No, that 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 just basically means like I'd be more tempted. <laughs> like if Hamish was like, "Do you want to go skydiving?" That's like a no. Like if first of all, can I just clarify? I wouldn't actively. That's go so sad. Yeah, yeah, but if isn't he your no. friend? Yeah, yeah. But if if you messaged me, it was like, "Do you want to go skydiving?" Can I just say I like, flew to San Francisco for this prick here? So like, this is you can see this. You can't say I'm bullying him. I flew, I flew halfway across. Yeah, the but world I'll just be like, "Why? Why do you want to go skydiving? Let's just let's just go." Bro, you made me get on a plane. Like, I don't like planes. <laughs> but like, if I was like dating a girl, and she was like, right. "Oh, should we do skydiving?" <laughs> I might be like, "Oh shit, what do I do here?" Like. It would be more of a consideration. So what would you do? I don't. I don't actually know. I don't know. He would say yes. He's not. He's acting like he's not. He's gonna I don't say know. No. He's I not going to say no. I'm telling you this. <laughs> I don't know. He seems like a bit of a you know like Ashik. Put type. Instagram poll. <laughs> An usher. <laughs> put Instagram poll. I'll take usher. I don't know. I don't know. I think. I don't know what I'll do. I don't know what I'll do. I wouldn't want to do it, but I'd feel like, hmm. Do you know what? Like maybe, maybe <laughs> I can face my fears. Like there's a reason to face it. Like there's a reason yeah. to do it. If I'm just going with Hamish, I'll be like, no, nah, let's just go Nando's. You know what I mean? We can just, it's fine. What if you oh get my goodness. Did free? you just put Nando's and skydiving on the same? <laughs> it depends what one oh you go Oh my to. goodness. <laughs> I don't think I can continue with this conversation, you know? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's move on. I'm very offended. Let's, oh let's, let's move on. Sick. This is the same person that had a go at me for saying that. Why do we usually go either like Nando's or GBK when we used to go out for like dinner? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to be Nando's. Let's go Nobu, man. It's fine. I'd rather do that. I'm waiting for my free one. What was kind of then? Um, I have no words. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh? But Actually, we, we do... yeah, go on. I have a question. Go for it. What's your spice level? Both of your spice level at Nando's. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of this. I'm hot. Mango and lime, with medium sauces. <laughs> Are you serious? To be fair, though, I had to train myself to get to that level. Off spice. Let me guess. Was this about a girl as well? No, no, it wasn't. He, he wants no, to no, make no. sure he doesn't look like a wimp, you know, in Nando's. Whereas, <laughs> in mouth. no, 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 I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take a girl to Nando's. You see. Oh, so that's just for Hamish. Yeah, that's just for the boys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's so sad. <laughs> now he's saying this, but yeah, one of the most famous stories that you know. So back when we were at uni, we went to a restaurant. And he ordered a chicken tikka masala and because he, he wanted it mild and the, the waiter was not having it from him. He's like, you're brown. You can't be doing this yet to him, <laughs> to him specifically. And he got shit for it for the rest of the two years. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was, it was long. It was long. Um, <laughs> well, what, what spice do you, what level of heat do you go for? She's going hot or something. Extra hot, obviously. Extra have hot. You, have you tried the Vusa ones? The yeah. Vusa hot level. 
No. That's the sauce I always have, like, with the food. Oh, no, you could get it in the food now. You know that. So, because I told my friend Walid, like, you know, there's an option for Visa. Do you want me to get this? Because he said extra. I'm like, there's an option for this. Do you want it? He's like, yeah. He's like, bro, that's worth it. Wait, like, did you say okay. Vus- Vusa hot? V-U-S-A. However What's you that? Want to it's say a it. little black bottle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a dangerous bottle, Aaron. It's a dangerous bottle. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Whenever I ask for the bottle from one of the um, waiters or whatever, whatever they're called, they just look at me like, are you sure? I'm like... Yo, I'm brown. Like, can you not see? <laughs> what, what do you mean? Are you sure? <laughs> Disrespect. I'll make sure you have some the next time we end up at Nando's. What do you mean? I'll only have it if you have it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, there's too much of that. We're in it together, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you need to do baby steps with him, um, Hamish, because you need to you need to get him to extra hot first. Hang then... on a second. We we just established <laughs> I'm on hot. How am I getting the shit for this? <laughs> but hot is still good. Hot is still like pretty. When, when I used to train to get to hot as well, I used to sweat. And... You know, Nando's hot isn't actually meant to be that hot. Oh, it's pretty exactly. hot. Exactly. I, I do find it. Nah, nah, it's hot, man. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm proud to be a hot, you know. I went on this date and this guy, um, he actually ordered extra hot just because I ordered extra hot. And I was just like... See, I, I wouldn't do that. As much I as I that. appreciate it, I don't really like the fact that you just did it because of me. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. It's like, you order you, I order me. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I've got nothing to prove. That's just my standard order. But yeah, I just remember that story thanks to your little, oh, for a, I would do this for a girl or on a date. or. This. Can I say, if you went to like an actual normal restaurant, you would probably have to get like the medium version of it. You probably couldn't have the hot stuff because Nando's, as I said, Nando's hot is like medium. Yeah, like, true. Like everywhere else. I would literally just get what I want, basically, because I wouldn't want to get extra hot at Nando's just to impress a girl if eventually that is going to mean I'm not going to impress her because I'll be sweating and like dying. So it wouldn't make sense to get extra hot. Funnily enough, that actually happened on my date. I was like, oh my goodness, was there any need for this? Do you write about that in your book? No, this is post my book. Uh, Oh, you should have said yes, you would have bought it right then and there. (laughs) No, because I already know. I already know that's a rookie mistake, man. Can't, Can't be doing that. But yeah, what we do, like how we like end each episode is like asking you just like some final questions and then there's like a call out bit and a shout out. Yeah, if I start off with the final questions, the first one would be, what is one piece of advice you would give to a younger you? I think I would say have more fun. You know, you've got, I know it's good to know what you want in life in terms of career wise at a young age so that, you know, you can kind of carve your path that way. But um, I think one thing I've learned is you have the rest of your life, you know, once you've graduated, you have the rest of your life to work till, you know, pension age or retirement age or whatever, whatever it is that suits your circumstances. But I would definitely say to my younger self to have more fun and not take your career, your future so seriously, and also not to have a very set plan because my um, life plan was, you know, I'm going to graduate from university, get my master's done before 27, get married at 27, um, have my first child at 30, and there are going to be no career breaks after marriage unless it's like for my kids and that's it. And yeah, sadly, I've learned that, you know, that life, it's a never ending life. <laughs> and you know, it's, um, it's never going to go as you plan. It's always going to go as planned. Uh, by God and once you have that faith in him that you know he knows best and he's the best of planners you'll be so much happier with what he's written for you because right now I you know my life is 
an absolute mess. It's a chaos, but I don't think I've been as happy within myself as I am right now, um, touch wood. So yeah, I would definitely say that to my younger self. Second question is, what is one thing you don't understand about yourself? This is a really strange one. And I really don't understand it because I have been through, like I've mentioned, I think a little bit, I've been through so much negative experience, so many negative experiences in life at such a young age. Like I said, I'm in my 20s. And I don't know how, but I always try to find a positive in those. But also, despite my life, whatever I'm going through, I feel like I have this extra ball of empathy for everyone. And sometimes it gets me in a lot of trouble because, (laughs) so I can give you an example. So I'm a HR professional, right? So um, my role is mostly at the moment, I'm uh, in the employee relations side of HR. So that deals with absence management, long-term absence cases, disciplinaries, grievances, dismissals, um, you know, all that kind of dramatic stuff. And I have this one guy that, um, you know, he's been absent of work for the last about nine, nine, ten months. But the reason is that there's nothing wrong with him medically or physically or anything. He was off because his wife, unfortunately, was suffering from cancer. And I'm here, right? So I know that um, having pineapple, if you, if you're if you've got cancer, is really good for you, like naturally and antioxidants and all that kind of stuff. So I was there yesterday at work with a little bag and I had um, sort of like a little bubble bath, something, something in the bag and, um, you know, a fresh pineapple. And I was just there like, oh, I really want to give it to him and say, you know, it's for his wife. And I wrote a little card and I was just like, oh, this is a bit awkward because um, obviously I work, I, well, not obviously, I work in for a car um, company. And he works on the production line. So I was just there like, oh, this is going to be a bit awkward. Because I think when you work in a male-dominated environment, I think when they see a woman, they get all like (laughs) excited. And they're like, oh, what is she doing? Or who is she? Or, you know, they comment on your looks and your outfit and this and the other. So I was like, oh, this is going to be a bit awkward. Um, So then I went to person's manager who who I manage as well. Uh, He comes under my zones. And I said to him, I was like, oh, can you give this to this associate? And he was just looking at me. He was like, I I don't understand. I said, when the shift finishes, can you just give this to him from me? And he he was just there like, he he just was completely silent. I was like, what is the problem? I've just told you. I've like told you to do one little favor. I don't understand what the issue is. And he said, so I need to tell him that this is from you, but I'm giving it to him. And I said, yeah. And he said, why can't you give it? And I was like, um, because, you know, like, I don't want yeah. the guys on the line to think something silly and, you know, make jokes because obviously yeah. it's a very sensitive situation, like a sensitive situation. And he just, he was like, okay, Annam, okay. And his face was just really, I couldn't understand it. I was like, I don't understand what your issue is. You know, it's a very small thing that I'm asking you to do. And I actually felt a bit offended. I was like, you know, I've supported you on so many cases and you just can't do like a tiny little thing for me. But I think in his, in his head, he was just so baffled. And I'm quite new to the area as well. So he he was really like appreciative of my gesture. He was like... Almost like people don't do this like nice thing. Yeah, he was just really shocked um, because I gave him... <laughs> I actually gave him another shock as well before bringing this person back to work because um, I pushed for, the, for him to return on a phase return, which is when you slowly come back to work. 
um, you know, when like you do. So, for example, the shift is eight hours and you work two to ten. So obviously that's quite it's quite a lot for a normal person, let alone someone dealing with a terminally ill wife. So I pushed um, occupational health. I sort of escalated a referral. I said, I don't want this person coming back full time. I want them to come back on a phase return. And the manager was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't think of that. You know, it's, it's my job to do that. I was like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. I just, I thought of it and I, I don't, I don't feel comfortable bringing him back after nine, 10 months on, you know, such a heavy shift. Um, and this individual is actually nearly 60. So, you know, and I think that's why he was even more shocked. He was just like, he, he wasn't expecting that from me kind of thing. And it kind of reminded me of something that, you know, like previous managers and friends and so many people have said that to me that I don't know how you find it amongst all your pain to kind of be so empathetic towards another person. Like, and it's mainly people that you don't even know, you know, so I, I don't know, I don't, I sometimes don't understand that about myself. And I really struggle with it as a professional, because as a HR professional, I can't be too friendly. I have to be very, very professional. I have to be helpful. But I can't show my sort of soft and kind side as much as that might sound a bit crazy. Because, you know, as HR, you have to be very neutral. You have to kind of, you're, you're basically representing the company, you know. You're not there for like, oh, yeah, let him, let him have 10 months off. It's, it's no big deal, you know. So, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't really understand that about myself, especially because yesterday, Personally, it was a very difficult day for me. I actually didn't want to go to work. I just wanted to kind of curl up in a ball and just stay in bed and have like my little cat babies around me. But yeah, I don't know. Nice, nice. Are you allowed to have said all that on here? I just want to check. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's not a problem because I've not named anything. Okay, cool. Last question. So this is actually a question we ask every, every guest the same question. And that is, what's okay. been your most memorable third wheeling experience? So this is like if you've third wheeled someone, like a couple, or they third wheeled you, or fifth wheel, seventh mm. wheel, like anything. So um, I was in, so I was abroad attending my cousin's wedding. I'm not going to say where because I'll just <laughs> give away too much. But um, so all of Olaf's cousins were going um, ice skating, and I don't do ice skating because I've done it once. I fell on my bum. Luckily. Because I felt on my bum, I didn't break anything. Um, and I'm very thankful to God for that. But after that, I was like, oh, it's not going to happen. So I was like, oh, I'll join you guys. And then, you know, we can get like a hot drink after that and whatever. But I'm not going to physically do it kind of thing. I can be a photographer or whatever. However, the wedding, the cousin's wedding, it was that cousin's house. Well, his elder brother's house I was living in with my family. And... My aunt had the greatest idea of sending me with him and his future wife in the same car. And I was just there like, oh my goodness, someone please just come and either kidnap me or rescue me or just kill me because this is so awkward. And the funny thing was that like that cousin and I aren't very close either. He's a very like, he's a bit of a cold knob kind of thing. So I was just there like, oh goodness. And then <laughs> the future wife as well, she was not friendly at all. And I'm just there like, and mind you, I was quite, I was like a good five, 10 years young, younger than I am right now. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm just never attending another wedding in this country ever again. <laughs> yeah, I think, that, <laughs> I think that would be my most 
memorable but not in a nice way yeah <laughs> because yeah. it yeah. was just so awkward and there was no ice breaking going on in that situation so to say so just I, I, I was so I was I think I was that was my most uncomfortable moment of my life with people um which to be honest I, I was quite sad after that as well because I was like oh you know I've come all this way and this was actually straight after my China trip so I was exhausted I was jet lagged and I was like I've had to travel another 10 hours to get here and you know it it felt like he didn't appreciate it. So I felt really, really sad. I was like, oh, goodness. That's not a nice way to treat your youngest, you know? Yeah, that was um, <laughs> that was the most awkward third wheeling, so to say, that I did. Or was made to do, rather. I would like to, yeah, correction, made to do. <sighs> Next section is nomination slash call out. So you can basically nominate one or many people to hopefully be a guest on in the future. Who would you like to nominate? I have a friend called Hayat that I would like to nominate. I can't think of anyone else, but is it okay if I come back to you with anyone else? Yeah, that's fine. That's that fine. I think of. Yeah, just let us know. But who's it? Hyatt? Yeah, we'll uh, tag him when we like release release your episode. So that should be good. And last bits of shout outs. So basically anything you want to like plug, promote, tell people to like check out. Can be literally be anything. So yeah, what would you like to uh, give a shout I out to? I think I would really love people to check out my book. As mentioned, it's available on Amazon worldwide. So, you know, you don't have the excuse of, oh, you know, it's not available in my country. So yeah, it's available worldwide. However, if you would also like a personalized copy, so if you would like a signed copy by myself, please, please, please do get in touch. I would, I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. I have done, I, I think I've done a lot more signed copies during the pandemic, strangely enough. But yeah, I would yeah. be happy to do that for anyone that would be interested. And just to end, I would like to say, Try and enjoy the life that you have left as much as you can. You know, no matter what sort of turmoil or, you know, chaos is going on in your life, it's um, it's a never-ending life as much as, you know, till we get to our last stage. So enjoy that time. And if, you know, if you're in, in, in an unhappy place, take it upon yourself to change that because you're your own hero. And sometimes in life, you have to be your own hero. As much as, you know, you might, I think for girls, it's very different because we have, you know, our hero is always our father or like a brother or later on in life, you know, our other half. But I think one of the things that I learned while writing my book is that you need to be your own hero to make sure that your life, which is, you know, your movie is going to be a blockbuster at the end of it. Yeah, it's a very, really, very really nice, very really nice message. Hamish, anything to shout out? Two songs, Clash by Dave and Stormzy and Shining by Rackstar. And yourself, Aaron? I'm going to, on like the theme of books, I'm just going to shout out uh, one of our friends. Like I mentioned earlier episode, he wrote uh, an ebook called Dear Depression. And yeah, we'll, we'll put a link link to that in the description too. But yeah, thank, thanks so much, Adam, for coming on. Thanks for your time. I really, really enjoyed speaking to both of you. Yep, and nice meeting you. <laughs> Yeah, hope hope everyone like also enjoyed enjoyed the episode, and yeah, we'll speak to you all next week. All right, Thanks. see you guys. All right, have a good day. Bye. Bye.